You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to the Lockdown Kentucky Podcast. We bring you info and insights on UK football and basketball every weekday. Stay informed by making us part of your morning or afternoon commute. Listen and follow for free on Apple or Google Podcasts. Simply subscribe to Lockdown Kentucky. I'm Dan Reefer with Fox 56, along with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. And we are talking today. There's several topics uh, to get to. Uh, plenty of sports to actually talk about. Uh, beginning with the AP All-America teams that were released on Friday. And uh, the Athletic also has uh, uh, All-America teams that they released, Player of the Year and all that. I think the Associated Press is not going to give out its Player of the Year and Coach of the Year and that stuff. I think they're they're like kind of... Uh, Are they going to do it on the fake timeline of the Final Four? Yeah, I, I don't know. I thought I saw that maybe like next Monday and Tuesday. Okay. They've kind of scheduled it out a little bit. Uh, but so the All-America team for the AP does not include uh, anyone from Kentucky or the Southeastern conference on the first, second or third team. So 15 players, uh, but the first team, I mean, I, I don't have any real problems with Obi Toppin, Luca Garza, Marcus Howard, Miles Powell, Peyton Pritchard, uh, probably Yudoka Azabuki maybe should have been on that first team, but he's on the second team with Devin Dotson. Uh, Malachi Flynn from San Diego State, Cassius Winston, Michigan State, Vernon Carey from Duke on the second team. Uh, Jordan Wara from Louisville made the third team, along with Philip Petrusev of uh, Gonzaga, Jared Butler of Baylor, Trey Jones of Duke, Jalen Smith of Maryland. Emmanuel Quickly, honorable mention. Uh, but no one from the Southeastern Conference makes any of the uh, three AP All-America teams. Well, what is your uh, reaction to that, AP All-America? Uh, I mean, it's really, honestly, unless you have just like a mega star, it's really hard to quibble with these All-America teams because there's 15 guys. <laughs> yeah. You know, like if you if you do a third, if you do three teams, if you do a first, second, and third team, it's still just 15 guys. Yeah. Um, so, like if Emmanuel quickly is honorable mention, I assume he's like one of the tw- most people consider him like one of the twenty best. Yeah. Uh, how many? How many? All? How many honorable mention guys were there? Um. Let's see. Well, I got to get back to that page. That's all right. I mean, you know, like we're. I mean, let's say there's ten. Yeah. So, so he's considered one of the twenty-five best players in the country. I, I think that's more than fair. Um, I had him. I voted him on our third team on the athletic and several other people did as well because he ended up making that. So, you know, and I think there've been some other sites like maybe CBS and a couple others that had Emmanuel as a third team, all American, which puts him among the top 15 players in the country. Yeah. Um, and considering he wasn't even a full-time starter until January uh, on his own team, I think that's some pretty significant recognition. You know, yeah. as a sophomore who averaged five points a game as a freshman to end up and you know, not even be a full-time starter as a sophomore initially, uh, didn't even start every conference game for Kentucky, uh, to end up SEC Player of the Year and even on the list, you know, third team or, or honorable mention All-America is incredible. And then, you know, I think, and I think it's about the right level of recognition for him. And then... Yeah. You know, as we talked about the other day, and I wrote about, 
there's a very good chance he comes back and and starting out in the consciousness makes so much more of a difference for stuff like this. So, yeah, you know, right. if if Emmanuel quickly comes in as a returning third team All-American and SEC player of the year, he's on everybody's radar. You know, because inherently we're all, you know, almost necessarily lazy uh, when it comes to, like, uh, who are the best players in the country? Like, you, there's a bunch of guys that like to be out there and pretend like they know, like they're watching every college basketball game that is played and they're going through film and they want, I mean, like, give me a break. It's hard yeah. to know who's good on every team in America. Yeah. yeah. But if you start out on these lists and then you play well, you already have people's attention. And then when you have a big game, it carries more weight uh, and it sort of builds on itself. And so, like, next year, Emmanuel quickly will probably be on a lot of preseason All-America lists if he comes back. True. Uh, yeah. You know, if he has another season like he just had where he plays the whole season the way he played the last 20 games where he averaged 18.5 points over the last 20 games, shot 46, I think, percent from three over the last 20 games. If he did that again for an entire year, then he's – in the conversation for first or second team All-America. And, you know, he's not splitting the SEC player of the year with anybody else. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think, I think it's about right. Well, five were honorable mention. They had to have at least 10 points. Emmanuel quickly got 17, which was second most to Daniel Latouro of Minnesota. So he was just off of the third team. Yeah. Essentially, yeah. So he's a, he's considered one of the top 20 players. Right in college basketball, again to do that as a guy that like nobody was really talking about until <clears throat> you know yeah. December twenty eighth when he had a big game against um, Louisville. Uh, that's that's right. that's hard to do. There are there are not a lot of guys that just emerge um, like that. You know, PJ Washington was kind of like that though. Um, you know, in his sophomore yeah. season last year, you know, he just kind of caught fire. He was he had good games, but he was really inconsistent early in the season. And then he just locked in for like, I don't know, I think it was like about a 15-game stretch right? where he was just utterly dominant and, and almost stole SEC Player of the Year from the returning SEC Player of the Year. Um, uh, Grant, now I can't even think of his Grant last Williams. name. Yeah, Grant Williams yeah. Uh, from Tennessee. And so, um, you know, the, you can do that, but it's much better to start to start high on everybody's radar, and I think that's going to happen for, for quickly if he comes back next year. Yeah, so the Athletics um, All-American teams, Yudoka Azabuki, Luca Garza, Marcus Howard, Peyton Pritchard, Obi Toppin on the first team, Obi Toppin named Player of the Year. Second team, Devin Dotson of Kansas, Malachi Flynn, San Diego State, Philip Petrusev, Gonzaga, Miles Powell, Seton Hall, Cassius Winston, Michigan State. And then the third team, Vernon Carey of Duke, Jordan Wara, Louisville, quickly, Jalen Smith of Maryland, Xavier Tillman of Michigan State. So, yeah, I mean, and uh, Coach of the Year was um, was also uh, Anthony Grant, Dayton. And then I saw CBS Sports did their simulation of the tournament and how it would play out, and it was Dayton beating Gonzaga in the championship game. That would be awesome. That would be pretty crazy. Yeah. I really think Dayton had a chance. You know, uh, we we had a, a thing. I hope people will check it out because it was just an extraordinary uh, level of effort and also awesomeness that if I was uh, single or at least childless right now and maybe 10 years younger, I would have would have been my dream assignment. One of our writers, Brendan Marks, uh, got the old NCAA basketball game 
video game. I think 2008 or nine, I think was the last version of it. Yeah. And he updated all the rosters. Uh, I guess there's like somebody out there still updating the rosters every year. Is this for the, the Reddit tournament that's going on? Is that what you're talking about? Well, no, this, the, he did this it's for different. us and he, he simulated, he created a bracket and simulated the entire tournament and like wrote it as if it were sort of really happening and how it all unfolded. And Dayton won that as well. The computer simulated, um, uh, NCAA tournament. So that was kind of cool. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think I think he spent four days doing, doing it uh, and writing like recaps and stuff. It's was, it's was kind of fun. Yeah, but Dayton, I mean, in real life, I think Dayton they had the best player in the country, uh, and they had other pieces. I mean, I really do think they like they weren't a one man band, although their one man was pretty damn good. Yeah, yeah, you know, it depends on the bracket, but you know, it's it's interesting too that a lot of these. It seems like a, I, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like a lot of these like simulated or hypothetical or whatever brackets that people have come up with have ended up having Kentucky and Kansas in the same region. Mm. Uh, and Kansas, yeah. I think, has pretty much knocked Kentucky out in all of those projections. And I've said, I think we've talked about it, it's like the one team they didn't want to face. Um, yeah. But I kind of, I'm really especially sad now that we didn't have a selection Sunday where that happened because Cal would have just gone off about having to – Oh, to, yeah. You know, Being play Kansas, Kansas and, yeah. and probably have Duke and, you know, whoever else in there, Duke and Louisville. Um, that, well, even you, though, you talk, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, you talked to Mitch Barnhart about um, not having a bracket release, and uh, I think that's something we can discuss on the other side of this break when Locked On Kentucky continues. You are Locked On Kentucky. Your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. All right, we're back here on Locked On Kentucky, and um, you spoke, Kyle, with Mitch Barnhart Thursday afternoon, which would have been the first, you know, full day of games. It starts at noon and doesn't end till midnight or later. Oh, we all miss that so much. It would have been, you know, continuing yeah. right now. We'd be watching some games right now, the uh, second day of round one of the NCAA tournament. But uh, you got a chance to talk to Mitch and did an article for The Athletic uh, about Many things, but uh, one of the questions was about uh, had you considered, you know, doing a bracket release, um, and you know what kind of went into that. Yeah, and it, it was uh, yeah. I really wanted to catch up with him. I asked like almost as soon as the tournament was canceled to talk to him, and uh, I don't know if it was schedule wise or just like coming out of the the fog of depression. Uh, that followed uh, that took him a while, but he, I think it, other than doing the radio show on the official network, I don't think he'd done an interview um, about sort of that whole thing. And I just wanted to, you know, let him take me through what, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday were like, you know, he was with the the selection committee in New York, um, you know, and it, he said it was really eerie. He even said, um, yeah, because he's the vice chair. Vice chair. Election. Well, now he's. I guess now he's officially the chairman. He, the vice yeah. chair this year and next year he'll be the chairman of the NCAA committee. And, and I'm not. I don't know if everybody recognizes this, but uh, it's worth noting. Like Mitch Barnhart is one of a very small handful of the most respected athletic directors in college sports. Yeah, his peers all think very, very highly of him. His, I mean, his AD tree is outrageous. He's got half the ADs in the country. It seems like 
that worked for him. The Alabama AD worked for him. The Florida AD, Scott Strickland, worked for him. I think the Oregon, Oregon. AD, uh, one point Boise, that might be the same guy. Um, Mississippi State, like they're all over the place. Um, and so, and now he's about to be the chairman of the uh, tournament selection committee. So, I, you know, he was an important person to talk to, I felt like, to get a, a feel. And then obviously the Kentucky connection. What were those days like? And he said, you know, New York is obviously a bustling city and it was like kind of dead already by, you know, Tuesday and Wednesday of last week. People weren't really milling around in restaurants or in the hotel. You know, he said it just felt really eerie. Um, because it hit hard there first, one of the first places, New Rochelle. Right yeah, and, and, and getting crushed right now. And they're taking, they in LA are taking really drastic measures um, to sort of slow it down. Also, you know, you know, worry about Mitch and all those people's health having been in that right. city. Um, but, uh, you know, he said it was obvious that, like, things were shifting. That it was, And he said one of the things you realize, like, when we start thinking about what's next and later at the end of the conversation, I asked him, like, how confident are you that football is actually going to happen on time? And he said the word everybody's using right now is fluid. Like, this, this virus situation is just a totally fluid deal and he's like it changed every 15 minutes while i was in new york last week yeah um you know and he said no they were still thinking hey we're gonna be able to play and then it was well we can play but in empty arenas and you know it seemed like the nba and college basketball kind of settled on that by wednesday and then wednesday night happened and rudy gobert of the jazz his test came back positive right before tip-off and they they had this weird moment where they stopped the game before it could get started and then it was canceled and then when it when the news broke why the NBA pretty quickly suspended its season. And he said, I knew then this was different. Like that changed right. that changed everything. Um and he and and I the, one of the more interesting things I thought he said was uh some people say that sports gets too much attention, that there's too much focus on athletes and coaches and teams, and sometimes that might be accurate. But when this crisis got more national attention is when the NBA suspended the season yeah. and the activities that followed with the NCAA canceling the tournament. Like, when something that drastic happens, it does make the whole country sit up and take. I mean, I think it he's sounded absolute, an alarm. I yeah. think he's absolutely right that like sports played a pretty big role in the rest of the country actually taking this seriously. Right. Um, and so I thought that was like a really, a really interesting uh, part of that conversation. One of the things I you know obviously wanted to ask him about was. You know, was, were there any um, regrets about not just going ahead and doing a bracket um, to officially announce the field, but also maybe to say, look, we're gonna we're gonna uh, postpone instead of saying cancel the tournament to leave open the door? And he just said, like, it became clear that it was not possible. Also, yeah. it was not left in the committee's hands. That was done at the board of board of directors level um, yeah. of the NCAA. Um, but he said too, you know, like you you it was just too much incomplete information. Like that would have been asking the committee because the conference tournaments didn't finish. It would have been asking them to like project and guess and assume. And like, you're obviously going to screw some people doing that. Like, you know, there's going to be plenty of conferences where a team needed to win the conference tournament to get a bid. Wouldn't, wouldn't get an at large bid otherwise. And you, the committee's got to like weigh would they have won or not have won. Or um, just take the regular season champ. Maybe right, that's yeah. That's how they do it. But he yeah. brought up something that I had not thought of when it comes to this, 
is that some coaches have bonuses in their contract based on making the NCAA tournament. And so right. what if you did or did not make it? Based on a pretty arbitrary decision. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, one, you'd be rewarding somebody who maybe not had earned it, uh, had not earned it. And two, you be, might be screwing somebody who might have been able to earn it. Uh, and I think he just said, like, to be fair, you just couldn't. Um, yeah. And I think that's, you know, I think that makes sense. Um, you know, and just talked about how somber it was. You know, somber and surreal were both words he used in that room. You know, the committee was all gathered together still kind of scrambling contingencies, still kind of hoping against hope that they'd find a way to play it when the um, NCAA's senior vice president of basketball, Dan Gavitt, who kind of runs the men's basketball tournament, um, stepped out of the room, took a call from the board of directors, came back in and said, it's over. Um, yeah. I mean, that would be, think of it. It's, yeah. not, it's not high on the list of priorities in the grand scheme of things. And the athletes certainly got far more screwed than any administrator. But think about being, having spent all the the whole season on that committee. Yeah. You know, taking copious notes on teams and who's good and, you know, planning and like, oh, you know, coming to having in your mind's eye what the brackets sort of shaping up to be. And you spend this whole week in New York working on uh, trying to start kind of slotting these teams into the thing. And then also all of the, all of the workers it must take to put on the NCAA tournament Yeah, that have already done all that work for the most part. Like, you know, you're not waiting until the week of the tournament to do it. You've spent months doing it. Uh, all the logistics and all the host cities, he talked about the city of Atlanta and all they'd done to get ready for the final four and all the, you know, regional sites. And, you know, one, there's all the money lost, but two, just all the time that was just completely wasted. I mean, right. We think we talk about the emptiness for the athletes. I cannot imagine do laying all the groundwork to put on this national tournament. And then the week before it happens, you know, a week to the day before it's supposed to start, it's over. Yeah. Um, so that was all interesting kind of to talk about. Well, one, one of the things that I, uh, you mentioned that he said, you know, when talking about whether football would come back that he said, you know, the situation is fluid. Uh, but he goes on later to say in terms of the gathering of football, I look at the fall as the great return. Yeah. Like he, he seems very optimistic that, that by football season, we'll be able to get back to playing sports, which yeah, I'm, I'm not so optimistic about, I, but I'm not either. I mean, the governor of Kentucky today, governor Bashir said, look, people need to understand this is not a couple of weeks that yeah. we're going to be doing these drastic measures. Like this is going to be months. Right. Um, and I think that may that's still a thing that people just really haven't come to grips with. And I think even some otherwise like really smart, thoughtful people who are paying attention, I think some of them are in a little bit of denial. And I'm not, you know, I mean, I I think there there may be some of that with people in sports, including you know Mitch and some other people. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. I just think there are so many people that hope so badly, so desperately that 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 this can all come back and we can go back to normal that they don't want to believe that it won't. And they don't want to alarm right. people and things like that. I mean, when you're in positions like that, you can't, you don't want to be sounding alarm bells until you know more. And we don't know. I don't guess I know any more than anybody else other than a lot of smart people who are studying this virus and medical people and now governmental leaders are saying, hey, strap in. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but, Mitch but in, his, said, in your article, he says, so my hope 
and I believe it to be true, is that come fall, we're gathering people together again. Yeah, yeah, that's... You but, know, I he, see, but then you see signs like, you know, senators getting briefed on the virus and dumping stock and then buying stock in companies that specialize in like VPNs and working from home software. Right. That's not a, yeah, that's not like a, you do that because you think it's going to be a two week work from home. <laughs> right. Like you do that because you think every company in America is going to be buying yeah. the software and having to spend, you know, months and months with their workforce working at home. Right. So, We'll, you know, we'll see. He's certainly hopeful. Um, one of the things I didn't include uh, in the Q&A that is up at The Athletic Now is that uh, as a follow-up to that, I said, you know, one thing I had been thinking about, actually one of my colleagues brought it up when I said, hey, I'm talking to next year's chairman if you guys have any ideas. And one of my colleagues said, um, ask him if – if the fall sports are affected, let's say this thing's still going in the fall and football can't go, is it all or nothing for the academic year? Like if football can't go in fall 2020, can basketball start, you know, are you going to play spring sports? Are you going to, you know, are you going to, is it, or if, if we get to a certain point and we say football and all the, all the fall sports sports can't start, do you just scrap sports for the, the academic year and and Mitch, oh basically, you know, Mitch basically <laughs> just he, he didn't want to touch that. He's like, you know, it's just just way too much. Who, who knows? Yeah. You know, and so I didn't even include that because there wasn't much of an answer. And it, it is pretty hypothetical, but it's something to think about. I mean, if we get if we get to the point to football can't go, I mean, do you do you not have a football season and, uh, you know, all those other things that volleyball and everything else that plays out in the fall, but do have uh, basketball? I don't know. Yeah. All right, we need to take another break. Uh, When we come back, we've still got uh, some more to talk about um, concerning uh, possible players UK's after, grad transfer. Also, there was one other topic uh, that you talked about uh, with Mitch that I want to discuss when we return on Locked On Kentucky. This is Locked On Kentucky. Your team every day. We're back here on the Locked On Kentucky podcast. And if you haven't read it yet, go to The Athletic uh, to see Kyle's article with – with Mitch Barnhart and uh, didn't you say there's an offer right now? If you want to like, Oh yeah, we have a, yeah, we have a 90, I think 90 days free for new, uh, new users. Um, um, yeah, it's a great opportunity. I mean, we're, we're basically, we, we understand that this is a weird time. There's no sports going on, but we're still going to be trying to do really interesting stuff. I've got a couple, um, I think pretty interesting reads for Kentucky people coming up. We're, we're doing one was the best NCAA tournament game I ever saw uh, or ever covered. And mine is the uh, Kentucky Wichita state game, which I've written about before, uh, yeah. but wrote about again uh, for this series and, and just exploring what all the things that made that game and that matchup. So electric uh, and the other coming, I think Sunday, cause it's uh, we're doing it. Uh, the, the best NCAA tournament game ever played on each date all the way through the tournament. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah. March 22nd, 1975, Kentucky beats Indiana to end Indiana's undefeated season. Yeah. That is the thing we kind of teased earlier, a uh, conversation I had with Joe B. Hall. And uh, I'll just say that he went all the way in on Bobby Knight uh, for this story. And, yeah, this uh, this one's worth the price of subscription. There's no doubt about it. 
Yeah, it's uh, he really dropped my jaw with uh, some of the stuff he said, and, and you know, Indiana had just spanked Kentucky and Bloomington in December of the regular season that year, uh, and uh, at one point during that blowout, Bobby and Joe B got into it, uh, and the officials told Joe B to go back to his end of the bench. And when he turned to walk away, Bobby Knight slapped him in the back of the head. I think most people know that that happened. Right. Um, yeah. But Joe B's reaction to it, I'm not sure he's ever talked about the fallout uh, the way that he did when I called him <laughs> last week. So um, that'll be up as well. So we got on we're, Sunday, right? On Sunday, yeah. So we're gonna have yeah. a we're gonna have a bunch of stuff like that. Uh, we're gonna and you know at, at some point we'll start turning our attention to next year and. Uh, features on recruits and putting together this team. But, uh, well, speaking so, of next year, you asked Mitch about, you know, eligibility, another year of eligibility for seniors, especially in the spring sports, but what about winter sports? And, uh, I thought he had interesting answers there. Yeah. You know, it seemed like there hadn't been a lot of support for seniors in basketball, um, getting back a year. And I, I'm kind of in that boat. I mean, I wouldn't be against it, but I can see the argument against it, which is that their whole regular season played out. They had senior nights, you know, some of them did finish seasons. Um, yeah. and so, um, I just, I don't, I don't know how you do that or, or how you justify it. Um, but, uh, but Mitch surprised me and said like, you know, I am, you know, I am for it. I want, I want Nate to, you know, that means a lot to him. I want him um, to have that opportunity. So, yeah, I mean, I was uh, definitely, um, a little surprised that, uh, Mitch said, um, yeah, I mean, if Nate Sestina is able to, to go another year, um, he said, how do you look him in the eyes and say, uh, yeah, I'm not for that. Yeah. And that's maybe, you know, and he was kind of a little bit ambiguous in the way he was talking about it. He was saying like, there might be a financial issue for some or competitive piece. I guess that would be like, you know, there's another guy coming in that, yeah, uh, would take that playing time. Um, but it, it kind of felt like he was saying some guys wouldn't even want to do it. They'd say, "Look, you know, I've already moved on." Mm-hmm. So I don't know if he's saying like maybe do it on a case by case basis and let people like apply for that. I don't know. I, I really yeah. don't know how it would work. I still am very skeptical that that part gets done. I don't. I don't think senior uh, winter sports people are getting their seasons back. I might be wrong, but. I would definitely like to see it for the spring sports, though, because you did you, you lost a season. Yeah. You, you completely lost a season of eligibility. And so it would, I mean, even maybe take everyone's year of eligibility and give it back for all, all classes throughout, you know. But yeah. that's a, that could be a topic for another, uh, another day. From, uh, but let's move on to um, what Kentucky's roster could look like next year, which we've already discussed, but uh, there's been uh, – Several of the uh, college basketball guys out there, Jeff Goodman, Jeff Borzello, John Rothstein, have uh, mentioned that uh, Amari Hardy, uh, who's a grad, who's going to transfer from uh, UNLV, will be a grad transfer. He's six-two guard, uh, like fourteen and a half points per game uh, for the Running Rebs last season. Uh, that Kentucky's in there with a bunch of other schools want him too. But the the thing with Kentucky um, being interested in him is Kentucky's also very interested in Jaden Hardy, his younger brother, who is a 2021 uh, recruit and, uh, you know, one of the five-star guy, one of, the, you know, one of the top recruits in the country for the 2021 class. 
And that makes it a little bit more interesting that yeah, uh, these two brothers could play together at Kentucky, possibly. That's an interesting take uh, or an interesting approach to uh, to recruiting a high-level guy, number one shooting guard. Uh, uh, in the class is a guy that they've been to see a bunch. Uh, Joel Justice has been on for a while. I think, I'm think i trying to remember now which game it was um, that I, I feel like it was a loss. Um that Kentucky, like the whole, like almost the whole staff flew. It might have been after the Auburn game, uh, flew to Vegas to see him. Um, but Hardy's been a big, a big, big, big uh, priority for them. And then it, flew to Vegas to see Jaden Hardy. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah not not Amari. Yeah, uh, yeah Jaden. Because Amari plays for you UNLV. Know, UNLV. Yeah, yeah, they're out. They're out there uh, in Vegas. Um, I don't. I don't know what to make of. Um, like if they did get this kid uh, for next year, would he be a grad transfer? He'd be a grad say? transfer. Yeah. I mean, and, he, and he's a shooting guard. Yeah. Do they know? like? Do they need another guard on next year's Kentucky team? Uh, certainly, if Emmanuel quickly and Johnny Juzang are back, and then you look at BJ Boston and and uh, Devin Askew, Terrence Clark, and Devin Askew. Like, do they need a guard at all? Um. I don't know. I don't know. Especially uh, for, for one year, because yeah. he's, he's definitely one year. Well, I guess the other piece of that is like, what is that that much of an appeal for um, for his brother if he's not even going to be there when he gets there? Um, oh yeah, you know right? what I mean. Like yeah, because he's twenty twenty one, so his brother would be gone. Although I'm looking at his, I wonder if he's just a straight up transfer. Um, and maybe he would sit out a year because he, I don't know. I can't figure this out. I don't know enough about his situation, but his first season at UNLV was 17-18, and looks like he only played one game in 18-19, and then he uh, pretty much started all year this year um, and averaged 14.5 points a game, three assists, three and a half rebounds. The bro- the big brother. So I I don't know. I have to look more into that, and we'll uh, we'll dive uh, into it maybe next week. But I, well, I mean, Porzello and those guys are saying grad transfer. So okay, they are. So um, it's definitely interesting that they would that somebody would pop up who's connected to the other Hardy, uh, Jaden Hardy, because that, right. I, I know he's a guy that they have prioritized for this entire um, recruiting cycle. You know that's not a that's not a quick trip that you can make uh, out west. So they've you know anytime they do that, like when I when Paolo Benchero and when they did it with Jaden McDaniel's, you know they're serious about those guys yeah. when they fly all the way across the country in the middle of the season. Um, you know, I would I would think it's pretty serious. Um, and then when when they go start recruiting his brother as a grad transfer, uh, January twenty sixth. What? game was going on then i just found my tweet sorry i've been disjointed as i'm talking here uh whatever january 26th game was was that the auburn first auburn game i feel like it was yeah uh i don't uh, know i feel like they might have played in february but no you know, it was that's what it was texas tech um texas tech. so they beat texas tech on the 25th in overtime on the road and the staff did not go back with the team they flew directly the same night um out to Vegas, Calipari, Barbie, and Justice uh, flew out to Vegas to visit with Jaden Hardy. Okay. And then I think um, 
when they played, not not I think, I know, when they played the two games in Las Vegas that they lost, which was not great. Oh, yeah. Um, while they were out there for a week, they practiced at Jaden Hardy's high school, which was a shrewd move by John Calipari. So <laughs> they're, they're, they're pulling a lot of stops out yeah. for this kid. Now it's coming back to me. Um, so they, they practiced in his high school. They played two games in Vegas. And maybe, like, as I think about that, too, like, why did they play two games in Las Vegas last year? Uh, or this year, that may have all been a calculated thing too. Um, and Cal loves playing there. And so there may also be like a, Hey, like if you want to go to Vegas, we'll, we'll keep going to Vegas. Um, right. Yeah. We can play two there. Yeah. And they've, and they've been, to, been to see him a bunch. So, and now they're recruiting his brother as a grad transfer. So that I would, I would constitute that, or that they say that constitutes the full court press from Kentucky, uh, that's yeah. That's pulling out more stops than they pull out for, I think, a lot of guys. All right, just a couple more things to wrap up uh, this episode of Locked on Kentucky. Ryan Howard was named first team AP All-America uh, yesterday uh, I mean, as a sophomore at Kentucky. I mean, that's, that's pretty huge. But now she is also one of four finalists for the Naismith Player of the Year Award. Now, she's not going to win it. Uh, the young lady from Oregon, Ionescu, she's going to win it. There's no doubt about it, but. For Ryan Howard to be there as a sophomore, uh, she's only going to get back. I mean, she could be a multiple first-team All-American and a possible national player of the year. She's already national freshman of the year. Uh, she's just It's just going to keep going up, up, up for her. Yeah, I, that, that's something I've wondered. I think we talked about it. Like, she, is this somebody that could win a national player of the year award for Kentucky? She, she's – She's already among the four finalists as a sophomore. Yeah, I mean that's uh, that's a pretty pretty uh, heady company. That that that's the other thing I wanted to mention uh, from that interview with Mitch. Um, he said, "I'm guess I'm giving it all away, but I hope people will still uh, go <laughs> go and check it out." And you got you we're giving it away anyway. Ninety days free if you if you click on a link. If you're not a subscriber now, if you click on a link, I don't even have to give you a promo. That'll pop up if you go to subscribe. Uh, the the free ninety days. Uh, will come up, but he talked about, you know, we focus so much on basketball. He had the number one ranked rifle team getting ready to host the national championships at right. Kentucky. And well, they, and the email was released by Kentucky saying, like, okay, tomorrow for tomorrow's national championship that we're hosting, here are the rules. Here's what's going on. And then later that day, sorry, it's been canceled. Right. Like Kentucky sent out the release of here's how it's happening, and then it was, and now we got to cancel it within yeah. hours. And they were going to win. I mean, they were going almost certainly going to win the national championship. Right. Uh, they got the sixth ranked women's track team, and they were about to go run in the indoor nationals. Um, they have the most decorated swimmer in school history on the women's team, an eight time All American. Uh, I don't know how you say her last name. Asia Seat. Seat. I don't know. Yeah, S E I D T. Uh, who admits that she'll never get a chance to swim for a national title again. I think she finished third in one of the races last year. Um, you know, the men's team, the women's team with Ryan Howard, um, all of those things. You know, there were, like, in other, at other schools, you know, the wrestling national championships didn't happen. Um, so many others. And then kind of related to that, I, my parting shot with Mitch was to ask him, you know, about this idea that Kansas should claim the national title. Yeah, um, and he basically said, you know, everybody's got to do what they want to do. 
They said at Kentucky, I felt like we had a chance to make it a run in a couple, two or three national championships in winter sports. And although our coaches would love to raise a banner, we will not be doing that because we don't live in hypotheticals, which yeah. I thought that was uh, an interesting answer as it relates to Kansas. But uh, but it does, I mean, it really sucks for, like, you know, we, yeah. we say Kentucky feels like they could win a national title. Like, there are people who almost, like, like – could say with a, a, a reasonable amount of certainty that they were going to win national titles. You know, if you're the fastest sprinter in the world, you know, you were probably going to win the national title. Yeah. Or the fastest swimmer in the world. Like, you were probably going to win a national championship. You know, and rifles pretty cut and dry. Like, those, I think, you know, they kind of established themselves over the course of the season. It would be sort of well, an Well, they upset. finished number one. In the final rankings, they're number yeah, one. Yeah, and I, and I think they were pretty much there all year. And I believe they've won national titles before. I think, oh, yeah, uh, they have, yeah, rifle. multiple national titles, yeah. Um, you know, there's 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 a lot in, like, wrestling, you know. Like, there's a lot of, lot of guys that pretty much dominate their way through a season unless something fluky happens. They're going to win a national title. So if you're one of those people, you know. Right. Um, you know, if you've... You're a three-time national champion in wrestling, and you've got a chance to be one of the handful of four-time champs ever, and your season gets cut short. Uh, or as Drew Franklin at, at uh, Kentucky Sports Radio uh, wrote about the other day, what if this had happened in the middle of Kentucky's undefeated season? <laughs> you know, like, like oh my god. Yeah, you know, I mean, maybe they would preferred it because they could have always thought they were going to go undefeated instead of the ending that they actually had. Um, but like, well, see, ima- but imagine that, imagine, imagine so being, they won three games in the sec tournament and then they won one, two, three, four. They won four games at the NCAA tournament. Yeah. They, yeah, they were, so thir- that they was, were 31 and they finished the regular season 31 and 0. 31 and 0. So if they'd have been 31 and 0 and then the season was canceled. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I guess it could be worse. <laughs> wow. So no doubt. Well, one more thing in this action-packed episode of Locked on Kentucky to get you through your weekend uh, is Andy Kennedy is back in coaching. The former um, you know, assistant to Bob Huggins, the former Ole Miss head coach. Well, he was at Ole Miss long enough to become the winningest coach in school history there. Uh, and now he is going back to where he played, UAB. Uh, I think reportedly a six-year deal. And John Calipari spoke out on it, said UAB hit a grand slam hiring Andy Kennedy. Andy played at UAB under Gene Bartow and really helped jump the program. He still holds a number of records. Andy was unbelievable on TV, and the job he did at Ole Miss to become the winningest coach in school history speaks for itself. Andy is a great friend, a good man, and one of the best basketball coaches in the country, bar none. Congrats, AK. Uh, But he was unbelievable on TV. He was a natural. He was a great color commentator and did a great job in the studio as well on SEC Network. I'm going to miss him uh, calling games. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was not a better moment in uh, SEC basketball broadcasting history, I don't think, than when Andy Kennedy confused – who was he trying to say? He said Ron Jeremy. The porn, the porn star. Oh, right. But who did he mean? Uh, I'm trying to think of the game it was. Who did Ron, he say? I'm looking it up now. Oh, Ron Bur- <laughs> Andy Kennedy. Burgundy. Andy Kennedy Burgundy. just confused Ron Burgundy with Ron Jeremy. So it was <laughs> Ar- the Auburn-Arkansas game, and an Arkansas fan 
had a big uh, fat head uh, thing of, of Will Ferrell as Ron Burgundy holding it up in the crowd, and he said that was Ron, Ron Jeremy. <laughs> Uh, we will miss that. He's a great, I mean, I thought he was perfect on TV and I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I know, I know those guys have the bug and everything, but a guy like, you know, um, Seth Greenberg, who's really good on television as well. And, you know, always scuffling along as a coach, trying to scratch it out at places where it's hard to win. Like, I don't know if I wouldn't just, you know, settle Stay. in and, yeah. and, and live that good TV life. Um, because he was really good at it. I think Andy Kennedy yeah. was like a star on TV. Yeah, he's also something about him, if, uh, you know, for folks out there uh, who've never run into him. He is a very approachable, very friendly, yes. nice guy. Like um, the most, I, yeah. I ran into him in New Orleans on Bourbon Street one year. Um, I got to interview him uh, before his first game in Rupp Arena, his first visit to Rupp Arena, and – uh, as a matter of fact, after the interview, he didn't know where the floor was. He's like, I've never been here before. Where's the floor? So I like walked him out to his his first time walking into Rupp Arena, which was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's uh, I, like, he doesn't know me from Adam. I've just walked up to him, and <laughs> he's like, hey, yeah. how you doing? You know, he's, he's, and I think he's like that with everybody, like fans, just any anybody who uh, – I think he's one of those guys that's like, oh, man, people want to talk to me. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And I like that about him. Well, that's going to wrap it up. That's all we got for uh, this one, which uh, kind of makes up for yesterday as well. Sorry about that. But we will be back on Monday and uh, churn them out for you every day. So make sure to follow us on Twitter. I am at D-R-I-E-F-F-E-R. Kyle is at Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H. And make sure to look for that article on Sunday about the 1975 upset of undefeated Indiana and what Joe B. Hall had to say. I promise you, I, I know what it says. I know what the quotes, uh, I'm just telling you, I can't wait to read it. Um, and in the meantime, if you're looking for other stuff to listen to, uh, just tell your smart device to play the latest episode of Locked On NFL Draft. Thanks for listening, guys. Talk to you Monday. Have a great weekend. Are Locked On Kentucky, available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcast Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea.